Hello, and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver, NFL editor for SB Nation. With me, as always, Danny Kelly, Stephen White. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Doing awesome. Well, that's excellent. You know, it's been a minute since we've, uh, we've had a little <laughs> bit of a podcast here. so it's, It has been. The, that Super Bowl, I'm telling you what, people ask, people talk about the Super Bowl hangover for the teams. <laughs> it's not just the teams that get a Super Bowl hangover, let me tell you. <laughs> it's real. It's real. Sometimes you just need to take a break from the internet. Yeah, like every day. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially lately. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I made like, I promised, like, okay, like after the Super Bowl, I said to myself, I'm like, all right, personal goal. I am going to tweet less. And it's like, I, and How's I, that going? I've, done, I've done okay with it. The, the hard <laughs> thing is, is like keeping your eyes off Twitter. And right. especially now that like free agency and the roster cuts are starting to kind of happen. Like now's the time where like you kind of need to have an eye on it, which is They're hard gonna... because it's like, you've also got stuff to read and edit and all this other stuff. And you get sucked into the Twitter world. It's kind of, they're going to come out with like a real thing where you're like addicted to Twitter eventually, kind of like a porn addiction. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, I, can't I don't quit know what Twitter. that's all about. <laughs> it's Here's the thing, though. You know, they keep talking about all these problems that Twitter has and losing all this money. What are we going to do if they go out of business? Oh, my gosh. Listen, I bet you they could put up a GoFundMe and be funded so fast if they yeah. if people really thought they were going out, to, yeah. out of business the next day. How much money would they make in a day? Yeah. I might even put it in a dollar. I promise you. <laughs> oh, I, I, like, I worry. Like my, my son's teacher followed me on Twitter. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> now that's all bad. Game that's time bad. changed. <laughs> can you can you mute something like a specific, or can you make a person so they can't read your tweets? Just one person. I have no idea. I mean, that's yeah. you made a good point. So it's all Facebook. You know, how you it's called kind of, blocking them. It's yeah. called blocking them. That's, that's how you do. It. I'm very versed in it. So yes, there's one way you can do that for sure. You block them, and you ain't got to worry about it no more. Yeah, but then they can see that you blocked them, so that's kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah, but see, if you if you like me and you got fat fingers, you just blame it on that. Oh, I, I must have accidentally did that. I don't, know. I don't even know you. This ain't about following me. I don't know. I, I didn't recognize your username. Yeah, I just I always get the dog avies and egg avies confused. I'm sorry. Um, speaking of Twitter, well, actually, this doesn't have anything to do with Twitter, but I guess Twitter does sort of play a role in it, and that makes for a, a good enough segue in my book. It works. Um, Danny is just back from the combine. I am. And uh, he's got the lovely feeling of being in Indianapolis in mid-February, <laughs> coursing yep, yep. through his bones still. Danny, <laughs> what? give us kind of some quick impressions of the combine here. Well, first of all, apologies if I sound kind of nasally because I did get sick uh, kind of at the end of the combine there. But um, first of all, the weather wasn't as crazy as last year. Uh, Ryan and I went last year, and it was uh, just <clears throat> freezing. I think, what was it, like 10 or 15 below zero or something I, like I, that? I think it's best described as Russian front. <laughs> it felt like we were in <laughs> Siberia. But, yeah, uh, this year it was better, but it was weird because it was, like, really warm when we got there. Then it snowed a couple times, and it was crazy rainy. And then at the end it was, like, 65 degrees. So, I don't know. It was it was kind of uh, a weird weather week. But um, overall, yeah, the, the combine was great. Um, 
it was a different vibe this year. I think I heard that from kind of a lot of people. It wasn't wasn't quite as buzzy in, in terms of people weren't as excited about some of these players. I think it was just a little less, um, I don't know, less, less, there was less hype around, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys got that impression kind of watching uh, on Twitter and on NFL Network and all that, but um, I don't know. It just kind of had a different vibe, and I think I did hear a couple different people say that. So um, overall, it was good, though. Just, you know, talked to a lot of people, talked to a lot of uh, players and, and coaches and GMs and uh, I mean, I didn't individually talk to them, but you get a chance to talk to all these guys in press conferences and things like that. So um, it was good. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that with the draft, and you know, it always comes to light with the combine because that's the first time the NFL media gets to meet a lot of these players. But you know, like last year, you had Winston, Jameis Winston there, right? And, and you know, the year before that was Johnny Manziel, and you have all those kind of players that are sort of that hype level players but there aren't really there weren't really a lot of guys like that in the draft no. this year i mean maybe like joey bosa i would say was kind mm-hmm. of the guy that people were really i think excited about and he he kind of gave like a fun presser and everything and people were excited about that but yeah i mean it was like last year you had a lot of guys where everyone's jumping up from the table and running over to the podium to yeah. like talk to them and there was only a few of those this year and, and really the the main reasons for that were like because you're you're talking to uh, Robert Kandibche, who's you know yeah. very controversial stuff that happened at the end of the season, and then uh, like Noah Spence because he you know had that addiction to ecstasy thing uh, happen. So like it was like people were really excited about the controversial guys, but like there wasn't like a a, a good amount of players where everyone was like, oh, got to go talk to this guy because he's an amazing player. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was. It was just a little different. And on the same thing, there wasn't a lot of that with like the GMs and, and coaches. There wasn't really um, a lot of hype around that, I guess. You know, the, the end of last year, the end of the Super Bowl was crazy. So everyone wanted to talk to the Pete yeah. Carroll, obviously. And um, this year, it was just kind of like everyone kind of went through the motions a little bit. But um, I mean, that, it was still great. It was still a really good opportunity to talk to all these players. And, sure. Um, kind of rub elbows with all the media members there. Who was uh, now the players you did talk to? Who was who was the most interesting? Who really stood out to you? You said uh, Bosa, but who else? I, I talked a lot to the offensive linemen. Um, Spencer Drango was a pretty interesting guy. Yeah. He he was really engaging because I I actually preferred the uh, the smaller table interview things. So these are kind of like mid round guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he was interesting. He had to you know. He talked about how making the um, transition from the Baylor offense to the NFL would be difficult, and he talked about his dyslexia and how that kind of has affected his playing career and kind of all that stuff. So he was a good he was a good interview. Um, the other guy that I actually really enjoyed talking to was uh, Joshua Garnett from Stanford, and he he was just talking about um, you know he wants to become a surgeon after he is done with the NFL, and so just kind of talking about that wow. was interesting. But uh, I was t- talking to some other people about this. It's just there wasn't really anything, like I said, there wasn't any like super standout guys um, in terms of the interviews. There wasn't anything like groundbreaking. It was kind of just like I said, kind of going through the motions a little bit, it seemed like. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was any different than last year because I think that's probably like how these guys are coached up to be. But um, they're just, they, it just kind of was, uh, I don't know. It wasn't too groundbreaking anywhere. Sure. Well, on the other side of the field, and this is where a lot of folks, I think, don't know this with the combine when it comes to the media, but for the most part, the media is not allowed anywhere near the field. I mean, the bulk of the media there is actually 
in the press room and if the the when when that overlaps with the the drills and stuff on the field that's actually you know you have to watch it on tv just like everybody else in the world except for just kind of a handful of um you know folks from the the so-called rights holder media but right yeah so we uh, don't even even get to go on the field or even into the stadium part of the field Uh, so i wanted to ask you know i want to flip this because i know this is something we all really kind of paid a lot of attention to this week but you, you know, you go look at the drills and the four, not just the 40 times, but all the other stuff too. But, I, you know, I guess one of the guys that stood out to me was Jalen Ramsey, the Florida State defensive back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to talk more, a little bit more about him in a sec. But, uh, Stephen, I want to go to you. Who from the, the combine this year jumped out or surprised you? Hmm. Jumped out or surprised me. I, I think that uh, Jalen Ramsey obviously just – blew up the combine with this workout. Um, if anything, I think the wide receivers were a little bit disappointing. Yeah. Uh, especially their 40 times. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I, the defensive lineman, I was actually expecting a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of, even though I kind of knocked Joey Bosa for his athleticism in space, which evidently people didn't really see those last two words, in space, <laughs> uh, in, in my breakdown, I kind of figured he was going to be a four seven guy, like a four seven five guy, maybe four uh-huh. four eight. Especially when he came in light, you know, he came in down to two seventy. Uh, when you talk about the JJ Watt comparisons, which I, I don't agree with, you know, JJ Watt's two ninety. Yeah, plus, you know, now he's probably over three hundred, but it's probably the leanest three hundred you've ever seen. But he's a two ninety guy, so you know, him running the same time as both at two seventy isn't really the same thing. You know, I, I was kind of expecting a little bit more there. Um, but, hey, you know, he, he did okay in all the drills and stuff, I thought. Uh, but I just wasn't, you know, Clowney ran a 4-5. or five. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of looking for those guys who are a little bit physical freaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Aaron, Aaron Donald ran like a, a something like a 4-7 or something like that, something crazy. And so you're looking for those guys. really didn't have – just a whole lot of those guys uh, coming out this year. I think that the defensive backs were, were very athletic. There were a few wide receivers that, that were also. Uh, I think some of the linebackers showed out a little bit. But I don't think there was any one guy on the positive side to me that just kind of blew me away. Uh, unless it was a guy that I, I hadn't seen necessarily but hadn't heard about playing all that great either. Yeah. You know, maybe he's just a workout guy. Yeah, and there wasn't really that guy that like kind of comes out. You know, it's like he's on the radar, but maybe he's a second day kind of pick, and he has a great week at the combine, and lo and behold, he sort of sneaks into the conversation for the first round, or you know, jumps from the back half of the first round into the top half of the first round. There wasn't really a guy like that either this year. No, Byron Jones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great. Example. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I don't. I didn't. I can't think of it. You know, his workout was ridiculous. It it really was. I think everybody expected that. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily a surprise. But, you know, look, you jump as high and run as fast as that kid runs, it's hard to to say that wasn't an outstanding workout necessarily, but you just expected it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think anybody was surprised by that. No, we actually even had, like, posts prepped for Jalen Ramsey breaking, you know, some of the records on stuff because Bud – 
who does our recruiting, but Elliot who does our recruiting stuff is also our, you know. runs our, our Florida state blog was, was telling us like, Hey man, this guy's going to break the record, all the records at the combine. That may have been the Florida state Twitter FSU Twitter interpretation of it, but he still had <laughs> a pretty fucking amazing workout at the combine, which was not unexpected at all. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he, a down he reminds me of combine. like a Patrick Peterson now, like, could go real, real high. Well, and I guess he was that already was going to. My but. question is like now there's kind of conversation that you know he could be the first overall pick. That'd be crazy. When was the last time when DB went that high? 1936. <laughs> That's crazy. The last time um, a DB went in the top five was Patrick Peterson. The last yeah. time a DB went higher than the fifth overall pick was Charles Woodson. Wow. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of workout he put together, though. And it's kind of an interesting draft, and there's no, like, surefire quarterbacks yeah. or, or tackles, really. There is one surefire tackle, but then... Well, and that's, a good, and, and that's a good segue into yeah. Tunsil, yeah. because Tunsil yeah. is, you know, sort of seen by most people as, like, the easy pick for the Titans if they don't trade down. Titans with the number one pick in the draft. Laramie Tunsil, you go in, you get... You get a solid left tackle. But, Stephen, you broke down Tunsil today, and you saw the athleticism, you saw the size. But the thing I really found interesting about it was Tunsil, too, for all his ability and natural you know, athleticism is still sort of – there's still that question mark because they do such a limited array of blocking with the college offenses. Right. And, you know, this is my third – I think third year doing the breakdown for SB Nation. And so it, you start to kind of see the same things from guys. Yeah. The same kind of blocks and stuff. And it's because everybody's kind of going to this zone read, read option, whatever you want to call it, offense, where there's only so many blocks that you ask your offensive line to make. Yeah. Um, you know, when I came out, and look, it's, it's been a while now. <laughs> when I came out, you know, it, you just expected that, an offensive tackle knew how to do a reach block. And not just knew how to do it, but you actually would see it on film. Like, it, it, it would be unheard of to go a whole game and an offensive tackle not have to make at least one reach block. And, you know, I'm watching four games of this guy. They only had four games on, on draft breakdown, which was fine because he was so consistent. But it, I'm watching four games, and I see him do one w- block that you could technically call a reach block. A reach block, obviously, is when – uh, you have a guy outside of you, and you try to overtake his outside shoulder as an offensive lineman. And so uh, even that time, there was nobody lined up outside of him, really, mm-hmm. so he had to end up going up to the linebacker again. And if I'm an evaluator, if I'm a guy who's got to put his job on the line and say, you know, pound the table and say, let's draft this guy number one, I'm going to be scared shitless because I haven't actually seen him make some of these blocks. Yeah. No matter how athletic he is, no matter how aggressive he is, no matter how well he tests, you still haven't seen him do it on film, man. And that is a scary proposition, really probably for the top ten. Yeah. Well, I guess, too, because, you know, what I, what I kept thinking about when I read this was Greg Robinson, who came out a couple of years ago out of Auburn. Very well-regarded prospect, but has really, really struggled in the NFL. And I love Greg Robinson, too. And as a matter of fact, when I was watching the film, 
I remember Greg Lawson going up on the linebackers a lot, and that's what you see a lot with uh, uh, Tunsil. Mm-hmm. And it impressed me a lot because it showed his athleticism and space. Now, Greg Robinson was actually more powerful yeah. than, 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 than Tunsil, but we knew he was going to have some issues with, with, with pass blocking one-on-one yeah. because it's do a whole lot of that at Auburn. But uh, Tunsil, you know, is kind of in the same boat. You did get to see him – a little bit more, I think, uh, uh, going one-on-one with, with, with pass rushes on the edge. But I, as I pointed out in the breakdown, even then, look, you, these two plays, man, uh, uh, um, uh, the kid, I think his name is uh, Miles Garrett. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, him, and then this other kid from Auburn beat him around the edge, and, and they did it in such a fashion that kind of made him look bad. And I'm like, ooh, you know, you only got so many – of these plays on film where you got one-on-ones and then these two don't really look good at all. And I think I kind of figured out what went, what went wrong on those plays. I, I think he just needs to work on his punch a little bit more. But again, when you have a guy and you don't have a whole lot of tape with him blocking guys one-on-one, no matter how aesthetic he is, it's going to scare you, or at least it should. Yeah. And that's the trick. I mean, this is, and it goes back to something, you know, and it's linked in that piece about Tunsil too, but something that you guys had talked about during the season, you know, one of the conversation posts we did just about that is such a huge issue with offensive linemen coming out of college right now. Mm-hmm. And you see that in the tackle. Like, Dan, I'm curious, Danny, did you hear, is that something that kind of came up that you heard come up at the combine at all this year? Yeah, it was a huge, it was actually one of the main kind of conversation points in, in talking about, you know, tran- transitioning to the NFL where, you know, not only for the tackles that, you know, have to pass block longer, um, but just playing out of a three-point stance if you're inside and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just differences in splits and everything. It's just a way different game, um, you know, than than the NFL. So they were t- there was a lot of talk about, you know, uh, for instance, Bruce Arians talked about how they kept DJ Humphreys on the bench on purpose for his entire uh, rookie year. Mm-hmm. Um, they looked at him kind of like uh, that, they looked at that more like he was kind of like another college season for him. So now, you know, now they're going to try and integrate him into their offense. But they did that on purpose because they just knew that he wouldn't be ready to come in and play immediately. And they didn't want to F with his like confidence and things like that. So that was kind of, you know something that was commonly talked about a lot of GMs talked about a lot of players talked it was it was asked to a lot of the offensive linemen like you know how are you going to transition to the NFL if you've only played in the spread system and you know they had the canned answer of like well you know just got to practice in my three-point stance but like it is totally different so um yeah it's it's uh still one of the one of the main things that they talked to offensive linemen about and it's a it's a still a big problem. It's kind of interesting because recently Tom Cable had talked about how college football isn't preparing players for the NFL, mm-hmm. and people kind of got mad at Tom Cable about that. I think like college, yeah, football fans got mad at Tom Cable about that. But then like a lot of people have said that this year, you know, like more than a few GMs and coaches mentioned that. So you know, it's it's more than just Tom Cable's opinion. I think it's kind of like the prevailing opinion in the NFL right now that um, yeah. The offensive line stuff is an issue. It's almost like somebody wanted to punch Tom Cable. <laughs> bad joke. Bad, bad joke. Um, 
I don't know. It'll be interesting, and we'll have a lot more drafts uh, draft to talk about um, in the in the weeks ahead because it's not till the end of April. But what's next week is free agency, and it's the free agency news cycle is already getting kind of uh, geared up. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of players released over the last few days, um, and then you're probably going to have a few more released. I know some of that. We were joking about it before the show started that as soon as we hang up the phone here today, you'll probably get the. RG3 or Colin Kaepernick trade or something like that will happen. But uh, so it, it's about to get wild when free agency opens on Wednesday, as it always does. Um, any of the cuts so far today surprise you? I mean, today the, the cuts today were you had uh, Charles Johnson, I guess, was a little bit of a surprise to me. I know he didn't have mm-hmm. a great season with the Panthers last year, but he did have three sacks in the playoffs for the Panthers. I mean, he's been such a good player for them for so long. It just kind of surprising from that point of view the cap hit was an issue obviously wasn't Harry it like cost, 11 million? yeah it was like over 11 million dollars yeah. i understand that but he's only 29 years old so i mean it depends on what he's looking for in free agency but to me that seems like a guy that could still make a difference i don't know yeah yeah i definitely think so especially i mean if he gets healthy if he is healthy then yeah i think he'll be highly sought after yeah he definitely won't have to worry about uh Attention! Uh, he, he, I don't think he'll make anywhere near what he was supposed to make this year, but he's going to make a, a, a good amount of money and probably will be able to pick between contenders too because mm-hmm. uh, you, you ain't going to find many 4-3 uh, left ends better than him. Uh, it's just that he is only a 4-3 left defensive end in my opinion. Yeah. And he is getting older and, and, and injuries were an issue last year, so you kind of wonder if maybe that's going to be every year from now on in his career, however much longer he plays. Yeah, but um, that dude knows. He's one of those guys that just knows how to play the game. He can roll out of bed and get five sacks <laughs> most seasons if he stays healthy. So he's just that kind of guy. You know, he's not overpowering. He's not the fastest guy. Really good with his hands. Really understands like you know when to get upfield and when not to. That kind of stuff. So uh, it's a little bit surprising to me. But I think you know with Jared Allen, who's only there for half of the season, half of this season, uh, retiring and then and then. They have some young guys who, who are really kind of coming on. Uh, Coney Ely in his second year really balled out in mm-hmm. the playoffs and in the Super Bowl with those three sacks. Uh, uh, the Mario Addison kid is pretty good, too. Uh, I think they have another guy that got suspended, Alexander. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to still kind of put up with that because I think he's been suspended a couple of times now. But I think they just kind of want to get younger at the position. And, yeah. and, and it makes sense. You know, they need guys getting up the field now, and it's that isn't necessarily what 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 he what um, Johnson does anymore. Uh, uh, but you know, it's got they got those two young defensive tackles inside. They probably just want to get a little bit younger, a little bit faster, and more athletic up front. Yeah, and it's interesting too. I mean, and the Panthers too are in a position where you know they've got that cap space, and they you have to think based on watching them play. You know, they're set up well for a long time, but they can go. It wouldn't hurt them to go out in free agency and maybe find some offensive linemen and maybe, you know, uh, some some wide receiver help there too. Or another cornerback on the other side of Josh Norman. But that's going to be an interesting team to watch. But um, sticking with the players out there right now, that defensive end is kind of, especially with 4-3 defensive ends, it seems like there's kind of a few intriguing possibilities out there in free agency this year. you got Chris Long from the Rams, William Hayes from the Rams, Mario Williams, who is another kind of recent release, who is – sort of a fish out of water with Rex Ryan up there in Buffalo. Robert Ayers from the Giants. I mean, there, there, there are some names out there at that position this year. 
Yeah, there's some interesting ones. Um, Freeney, too. Did you mention Freeney? No, I didn't. I, yeah, that's right. I mean, he, he came on late at the end of the year. He's kind of a situational guy, but there's quite a few interesting ones already. And then, I mean, I, there's just a couple more from today, like Daryl Smith. and I mean, that's not defensive end, but you know, you're getting there's, – there's quite a few guys that will probably get picked up pretty quickly, too. So. JPP. Oh, yeah, JPP, of course. There was a couple. I was going through the 90, the NFL's top ninety nine yesterday, and I was like, "Man, there are this is a pretty interesting class." Um, see if I'm just going through it right now, but yeah, I mean, it's like you got. Um, let's see here, Jay Howard. He's going to play inside for someone, but he he came on really well this year. Uh, let's see, Tom Holly, Nick Fairley, Derek Shelby. Man, I ranked I ranked the top 100 defensive ends, Sandy, and you're using NFL Network's top 99. <laughs> Shoot. I, I ranked free agents, not just defensive ends, I mean. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I need to look at yours also. <laughs> how, how rude of me. Names <laughs> out there in cornerback. There are. I wonder... Um, I wonder how much last year's cornerback class will affect this year's, you know, the, how much they get paid because like Byron Maxwell didn't play very well. He got a lot of money. Um, you know, just thinking from the Seahawks point of view, it's like they signed Kerry Williams for like seven or eight million and he got cut after like half the year. You know, there's, I wonder if teams will look at him and be like, well, you know, you can't really plug and play corners so much anymore. So I wonder if that will affect things. You know, when was the last time a corner in a free agency? went to another team and was, like, really, really good, other than Revis. I mean, I'm sure there are examples, but I'm, like, trying to come up with a few, and they're, I mean, it's, like, few and far between. I guess, like, Tlaib in, in Denver definitely would count as one. Well, I guess you could say Cromartie. Arizona. I was going to yeah. say Crow, oddly enough, was, was a pretty good one, too. I, I, look, I, I don't – some of these, to me, last year was just reaches. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. um when the signings happened, we were kind of like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that any of these were actually all that surprising. The ones that didn't really turn out that well, especially like the, the, um, the Kerry Williams one, you know, right. yeah. <laughs> plenty of people were skeptical of that the, the Byron Maxwell one, plenty of people wondered how he would fit in a totally different system. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think you got to kind of look at some of these cases individually. Um, and, and then look, when you have a number one cornerback, ain't many teams willing to put up with him. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. um, um, let him go. Uh, Talib got out of Tampa because he was, you know, off the field issues. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh Revis got out of Tampa because he was making 16 mil a year at corner. Yeah. And they would have had him back, I think, at 12, but he's like, if I'm gonna play, if I'm gonna play for 12, I'm gonna play for Belichick and get this ring. Yeah. So, you know, it's unique because it's kind of like left tackles. If you're on the market, something's usually wrong anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's kind of too, and that's kind of how this is because this is a much better group of cornerbacks in free agency than it was last year, too. And a lot of it is you look at it, it's like, well, everybody in that Bengals secondary came up for free agency at the same damn time. You know, uh, two starting corners and two starting safeties right there at the same time. The Rams, same thing. Tremaine Johnson and Janoris Jenkins, free agency the same year. Kansas City, Sean Smith's up for free agency. He might be the best one out there right now. 
but uh, he's up for free agency, and they had all those other guys they had to kind of they have to kind of worry about in KC for free agency to keep in the house. Casey Hayward, Green Bay. So that I mean that's kind of an interesting the way the stars kind of aligned for that to put all those guys out on the market like that. And we'll see we'll see what folks want to pay for him. But I just like the Jenkins thing's interesting to me because obviously I follow the Rams, but they offered him a forty five year, forty five million dollar contract and he took to Twitter and, and was insulted by it. Wow. So it kind of makes you wonder if, you know, now maybe his agent's feeding him a bunch of shit too, but, you know, maybe he knows that he can go out in free agency this year and make a whole lot more money than that too. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see. Interesting. Yeah. I I think that defensive end are the most, are the deepest positions in free agency this year. And that's what I think you'll see, you know, where you'll see some of the more interesting moves being made. Yeah, Definitely. Um, the offensive line's an interesting one. Alex Mack, you saw he opted out of his contract yesterday, and then, but you know, in the same breath, you had Schefter saying, "Don't be surprised if he goes back to the Browns." But you'd have to think there's going to be a pretty sizable bidding war for a guy like Mack. I mean, it's not every day that a center of that caliber comes onto the market. Yeah, especially with all the problems a lot of teams had it, you know, on their offensive line last year. It just seems like he'll get. I mean, that's why he opted out. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm guessing he'll get because what was he going to make eight million this year or something like that? He opted out, so like he's probably going to make ten or whatever. Yeah, uh, there's a lot, there's quite a few. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you look just down the line, there's Mitchell Schwartz, uh, you know, right tackle Russell Okun, who is going to try and get paid because he's representing himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's quite a few pretty good offensive linemen out there. I mean. Not like elite also level. LA. Yeah. Oh yeah, he'll get he'll get paid. I you have to think that he's probably going to go back to Baltimore because of yeah. the Ravens, you know, restructured Flacco's contract this week. Yeah, I think that. I mean, that's that seems like a pretty logical jump. They, mm-hmm. they did that so they could sign him. Alex Boone's out there. Yeah, another uh, Kelvin in- Kelvin Beecham who tore his ACL but was a really good left tackle before he hurt got hurt. Um, so he might be a guy that, you know, they get, he, he gets paid based on his potential. Donald Penn's still out there. All right. Uh, I have, I, here's a free agent question. How much is Brock Osweiler going to get paid? That is a good question. Based on some of these like other quarterbacks that, you know, like Sam Bradford, which I'd oh. love to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> go back and listen to an old podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Stephen. What do you think he's going to get, like APY or whatever yearly salary? Well, it just depends if somebody has fallen in love with him, or you know, if he goes back to the Broncos. Um, I think he showed quite a quite a bit of good stuff last year in his limited amount of time. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got the size you want. He's more athletic than you probably think. Uh, Those are good football. I thought in the second half of some games. He got away from his fundamentals, especially with his footwork, and that's kind of why he was kind of uneven in some games. Have a real good first half and second half not be as great, but you see the potential there for sure. And you know he's a young guy, man. And there's a lot of reasons to throw the uh, you know the, the Brinks truck at him for sure, especially after last year when you see just where uh, the level of play at quarterback is for most teams. Yeah, I mean, it just was abysmal 
even the teams that didn't have anybody that went down as a starter, I mean, I you just got to figure Josh Freeman is yeah. back in the league. You know, he, he's going to be probably the first backup to uh, the, the top backup to Andrew Luck. And that, as much as I like Josh Freeman, I'm happy for him. That probably says as much about the, uh, the talent level in the league right now at quarterback as anything. So, look, it, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets more than yeah. some of these guys. Because, look, there ain't no franchise that they're not going to franchise him. Nope. So there's no need for him to take just what the franchise will play will, will pay, and the going rate for you know guys like uh, 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 Colin Kaepernick who got benched last year was what twenty million at least. I think that's the starting point for Brock Osweiler probably. Unless I, it goes back to the Broncos where I think he might give them a hometown yeah. discount because they're trying to get Vaughn under contract and stuff like that. And I think he understands the importance of having a, a complete team after being on that team. Yeah. But if he goes somewhere else, man, 20 million is probably the starting point. And it's, it's interesting, too, because a lot of the, I mean, there's some teams just with, you know, there's 10 teams with more than $40 million in cap space. And, and, they, and, and the majority of those teams need a quarterback, too. <laughs> so it's a, it's, it's a pretty, it's a good time to be Brock Osweiler. There's no doubt about that. Um, and the Malik Jackson thing too, you know, you mentioned Denver and their free agents. Malik Jackson's probably another of the top guys on the market. Not to mention Danny Trevathan and and uh, Brandon Marshall, their other inside linebacker. That's a, that's a, if you're John Elway this year, it, it, no wonder you're smoking a pack a day. That's you got your work <laughs> cut out for you, man. Well, they went all in for this year and they did it. Now they've got some questions, but yeah, the free agency thing is going to be big for them. It's it's going to be a wild one. Well, that's a good. I think that's a pretty good stopping point. We talked a little free agency. Obviously, next week we're going to have a shit ton more of free agency to talk about because it'll be coming in hot and fresh. Wait, that doesn't sound very good. I think I'm. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's going to be busy, 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 busy next week with free agency and. I'm looking forward to it. I always enjoy free agency. I mean, I think a lot of the off-season stuff that that happens in the NFL it gets kind of dumbed down. But I do always like free agency. It's always fun to follow that. So yeah, I like I like the off-season. Actually, it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, uh, it's it's been a good one. It's good to be back on the air, so to speak, here with the old podcast. <laughs> Definitely. And we uh we will reconvene again next week. Look forward Sounds good. To it. All right, we will uh, see you guys later.